today comes from the good news, the gospel, according to St. John, uh, chapter 14. Let's share in God's good word together. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. I always dreamed about being a doctor, but I didn't get much school. I can't stay here while all them go fight for me. Don't you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. That's going to be my way to serve. Please, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. Army medic Desmond Doss ran into the bloodiest battle of World War II's Pacific Theater with nothing but his Bible and the power of the Holy Spirit. Army medic Desmond Doss won the Medal of Honor without firing a shot. In 1945, there was a 400-foot cliff booby-trapped all up and down, Japanese machine gun nests all up and down. It was considered a suicide mission to try to take that cliff. And yet, with nothing but his Bible and his faith in God, Desmond Doss went up that net with the men who had just a few weeks earlier beaten him within an inch of his life because they did not understand his call. They did not understand how you could want to be in the army, how you'd want to serve and never carry a weapon with no protection. They didn't understand it. Yet somehow God used him and when they were dying on the battlefield, they would cry out for him and he would pray to God, Lord, give me one more. Let me save one more. Now his uh, brothers in arms would say that he saved well over a hundred men, but Doss would say, no, no, it couldn't have been even 50. And so they settled in the middle and said he saved 75 of the wounded men. He served in humility and in power. He himself was wounded four times. And what we learn today as we move from Bible heroes to the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit empowers you to be the hero of the next story of God in this life, in this time. Not just in the next life, but in this life. The Holy Spirit is about God's heroes having power. Will you say this with me? Holy Spirit, God's heroes have power. You have power. Look to somebody around you and say, you have power. Tell them, you have power. You have power. The Holy Spirit, you have power. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you have power. Power to be world changers. Now, I want to share the context within which um, Jesus is speaking here. On the eve, if you take your sermon notes, you might uh, pull those out. On the eve of Jesus' own death, right? In John, when we're looking at this in John 14, uh, Jesus is speaking on the eve of his own death. And he pauses to speak to the disciples about their fears, about their anxieties, about their despair. I want you to look behind the words and see the power that Jesus holds. That when he knows he's going to be on the cross by nine the next morning, He's going to be beaten, spit upon, flogged, misunderstood, falsely accused, and killed and condemned. Even in that moment, with that full knowledge, he is concerned, ministering to, caring in God's power 
to those friends around him, the disciples. Because they're afraid, they're anxious, they don't know what to do, and Jesus is ministering to them. Now, the text will tell us that the promise of this Holy Spirit that Jesus is going to give us, the advocate, the defense attorney that knows everything about you, right? A defense attorney knows everything about you and defends you anyway. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, yes, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send you another one that, that will remind you of everything that I've taught you, and it's going to give you power to obey and to teach and to live in uh, to the life that I'm calling you to. But I want you to understand this, that there's... God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's been there all along, friends. All along. In Genesis, when the Spirit goes over the waters and God brings life to earth, the Holy Spirit is there. When Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit descends upon him. The Holy Spirit's there. And that Holy Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness so that he can be tempted and grow and developed into his ministry and start his ministry. Nothing happens in Jesus' life that's miraculous that we know of until the Spirit descends. Everything that we see in the Gospels happens after the baptism and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And he then goes out and ministers in power in new and wonderful ways that are recorded in all four Gospels. So the promise then of this Holy Spirit is continuity between what Jesus says while he's present with the disciples and what the Holy Spirit teaches in Jesus' absence. And we need to understand this because some people are like, well, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. I don't know what to do with that. Friends, you don't have to worry about it because it is Jesus' own presence. It's the very Spirit of Jesus living with us. And so there needs to be this unity and this continuity between when somebody says, hey, I got a word from the Holy Spirit or I believe that God's calling me to do this. It needs to match the words of Scripture. It needs to match the words and life of Jesus. So in verse 26, it says this, the advocate, this defense attorney, Uh, This comforter, this counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Jesus is talking here and teaching here. He says, we'll teach you everything. So one, um, the Spirit's going to be with us present. But the other thing is that the Spirit does what? It teaches us. It teaches us everything and reminds you of all that I've said to you. So the Holy Spirit's role is to reinforce and remind us of what Jesus has said and done. So that we're not left alone. Uh, One of my mentors that passed away uh, a few years ago now is Dallas Willard. Uh, Many of you know that I studied under him directly, and and he was just a man that carried the power of God within him in in such a way um, where you just knew that you were in the presence of God when you were in his presence. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen. Um, You simply had, he had a sense of holiness about him. And he would say this, that the presence of the Holy Spirit can always be recognized by the way he moves us toward what Jesus would be and do. Those have to be in concert together, friends. So if you're praying and you feel like the Holy Spirit is leading you um, to have a conversation or leading you to a certain vocation or leading you to make a certain decision, always look at the person of Jesus in the text. Look at, look at Jesus in the Bible. And if those things match up, move right on. Ask a friend or a neighbor or a Sunday school teacher or grandma or grandpa and have confirmation that the one God who speaks to you is speaking to your friends as well. The presence of the Holy Spirit can always be recognized by the way the Spirit moves us toward what Jesus would be and do and so jesus of course is crucified and resurrected that's the good news and after jesus resurrection the disciples remembered see how this works they remembered what jesus had said and done there was the spirit bringing these things to mind so that they could move out and share the good news with all the world last week we looked at the certain context and time that the roman empire was so vast that they would say that the sun never set on the roman empire all the way from spain all the way to the middle east from europe to the middle east 
and, the, and it began to spread because of the power of the Spirit in the disciples. It said that Peter was so filled with the Holy Spirit, so powerful, that when he walked through town, even if his shadow fell upon someone who needed healing, they were healed simply by the shadow passing by them. And they remembered what Jesus had said and done, his healing ministry, his teaching ministry, and his power. So the Holy Spirit brings to mind the things of Jesus. Right? So it's not that the Holy Spirit brings to mind just anything. It's that he brings to mind the things of who? Say with me. Jesus. And these work together. And it's really important that we see this working together. I have friends of mine um, that kind of divide churches um, into different categories. Um, and, and they do this by saying um, largely mainline Protestant traditions uh, focus largely on the Father. So that when we want to come to communion um, or when we pray... We'll, also, we'll often say, Father this or Father that, we're praying to the Father. Now, we also know that Jesus and the Spirit are there, but in, in a lot of mainline Protestant traditions, we're really Father-focused, and, and, and our theology kind of pours out of that. Uh, in other traditions and more evangelical su- uh, circles, uh, they focus on Jesus. And so it's, it's always in Jesus' name and, and Jesus uh, when they're praying and, and that sort of thing. And then we have Pentecostal friends whose focus is on the Holy Spirit. What I want to remind us today, we're all family friends. It's all the same God. Uh, we see that in different expressions, but we're all a part of the same team. And so I want you to know, um, as sure as I'm standing here, that Chantel and I are sold out for this. There is not a church, a Christian church, um, that we're not in ministry with, right? Every, every church that's winning somebody for Jesus, every church that's moving in God's spirit, every church that worships the Father is a good church, right? Amen? All, all of us. All of us. So we, we don't have anybody we're competing with other than Satan. Now, if you're from the church of Satan, yeah, we're competing against you. But if you're part of the Christian movement, we're all family, and this is good. It's just that because United Methodism sits largely in that mainline Protestant tradition of the Father, when we get to the Holy Spirit, people are like, what are you doing, Pastor Mark? What are you doing? But our church is named Acts 2 because I believe that the Methodist church itself was brought out of a movement of the Holy Spirit. Brought out of the Anglican church by a move of the Holy Spirit by a man named John Wesley, who was an Anglican priest at the time. And so we're here today because of the Holy Spirit. This church is built on the power of the Holy Spirit. Our lives, our very breath comes to us by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And those things are to have us look more and more like Jesus. Now the intrigue of the story is is this for me. And that's that even though Jesus is leaving, the disciples are concerned because he's leaving. Jesus says, yes, I'm leaving, but you're not alone. You're not orphans. I'm still with you. So look for where the Spirit is. Now, many of you all know this, and and you've you've come to faith, you've been baptized, and and you're going through a hard time, and you feel alone. You feel alone. You're like, if Jesus is real, where is he? And when we talk about Jesus, um, you all know that I don't mean that I'm seeing a 30-something guy with a beard at Walmart. That's not what I mean when we talk about Jesus. What we're talking about is a sense of the Holy Spirit, a sense of the Holy among us, a sense of God's leading and guiding, which is the role of the Holy Spirit. So we're not orphans, we're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with us. But often we experience that Spirit when we're in corporate worship together or in small group together or in Bible study together because all of that Spirit is to lead us back to Jesus and the Father by the power and the movement of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus promises this, that we are promised to live in the peace of of Jesus. Will you say that with me? We are promised to live in the peace of Jesus. You say, well, if that's true, uh, I don't know if I'm even a part of this deal because I'm not feeling very peaceful. Well, that's largely around a misunderstanding of the word peace. Peace, as Jesus describes it, 
is this. Peace I leave with you, he says. My peace I give to you. And then here's the tagline. I do not give to you as the what? As the world gives. No, it's not like the world, friends. It's not sitting back in your lazy boy, you know, with a 500 channels. That's not the kind of peace he's bringing. It's not about comfort. It's not an absence of conflict. That when Jesus brings you peace, it's in the midst when you have a wayward child. The peace that Jesus brings is in the midst of your divorce. And, and the peace that Jesus brings is in the, in the midst of the cancer diagnosis. It is a peace that passes all understanding is what the scripture says. It's not like the world gives. And so then Jesus says this. Since this is the case, since you have all power and authority, Jesus has all power and authority given to him in Matthew 28. Therefore, you go in his name and you baptize and you teach for them to obey, obey everything that Jesus has taught them. We do this in the power of the Spirit, by, by Jesus' authority and power, lived out through the Spirit. And because this is true, Jesus says this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. No. And do not let them be afraid. Now, we, we get used to this language. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Um, Many of you all um, may know this already. I share it often. And that is, how many times in the Bible is the phrase in some form, do not be afraid? 365 times. I do not think that's coincidental. I think for humans on the planet, we need to be reminded not to be afraid every day of our lives. 365 times in the Bible, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. The first thing that the angel says to Mary to let her know that she's going to be pregnant with the Messiah is what? Hey, Mary. Don't be afraid. Uh, when the angels come to Joseph and they say, you know, you, you can come back to Nazareth, what do they say? Don't be afraid. Uh, when, when the angels show up anywhere, the first thing they say is don't be afraid. And what Jesus says is don't be afraid. But here is the thing, friends. This not being afraid, this peace, it's not about security. It's not about the end of conflict. It's not as the world gives. Jesus is saying this, right? Don't be cowardly. It's really pretty pointed. If you look at the Greek, he's not saying, oh, you know, have a good day. He's like, look, you have power. I died and rose again. I'm sharing that power with you through the Holy Spirit. Get on. Let's go. It's time for the world to change. Where you see brokenness, it's time to bring healing. Where you see crooked places, it's time for those to be made straight. It is time for the people of God to stand up, rise up, and go out and change the world. Don't be a coward, is what Jesus is saying to his disciples and to us. Don't be a coward. Now that is a commission, amen? Yeah, not your normal Sunday school stuff. Right? He's like, hey, you, you have power. I'm raised. You can go with my power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Go on. And so the good news that we will share with the students during Bible school this week, and that we hope you know as well as, you know, parents and grandparents and loved ones, that God's heroes have what? Power. You have power. You real power that the world does not and cannot know without the risen Jesus in their life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 1.8, the, the chapter that comes right before what our church is founded on, it says this. But you will receive what, friends? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, their hometown, Judea, really their state, and Samaria, the larger country, and then where? To the ends of the earth. And so what that means is, for us, is that when we receive this power, and, and, and I'm going to offer you to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit power during communion, and so we want to offer that. We do this um, every year at some time during the year. Uh, to, it'll be this day for us as the Holy Spirit. You can receive God's power for transformation. And that transformation starts in your own heart, in your own mind. And then to your own city. For us, that's Edmond or Deer Creek. Um, and then to the state of Oklahoma. And then to our country. And then to where? The ends of the earth. This is how the Holy Spirit is to reign the world in peace and grace. 
The way we do it is like this, friends. At Acts 2, we want, we want and we pray for God's super on our natural for the transformation of the world. Amen? You see, if, if you are praying about things that you can do, that's not prayer. That's self-talk. That's self-help. If you're like, oh, Lord, help me mow the lawn today. You need to get up about 5 in the morning to mow. Your neighbors will hate you. But it's only cool time anymore, right? So you, you probably don't need to pray about the Lord helping you mow the lawn. You, you can. I'm not against it. But it probably doesn't require his power, right? You, you need to pray about things that need and require God's participation. If the only thing this church does is things we can do in our own power, then we're not really honoring God. We're just honoring ourselves with what we can do. So our prayer life uh, needs to be about receiving God's power to do things that we cannot do on our own, that it requires God's participation, God's salvation, God's movement, God's action, and that's where faith really shines. And so what does this look like when we receive the Holy Spirit in our life? Well, Paul's writing to the early church in Galatia, and he says this, we are to live by the Spirit. I say, and we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, this is difficult for us to hear because sometimes we don't understand why the power and the power of God's not moving in our life, and it's because we're not really open to it. We want to live the way we want to live, and we want God to help us out. And Paul says, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. He says, the works of the flesh, now I'll remind you that flesh for Paul is our own natural desires, talents, and abilities, okay? So when you're living for yourself, your life looks like this. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, you're, you're in strife with other people, you're jealous of what other people have, you get angry because you're not getting your way, you're in quarrels, there's dissensions, there's divisions, there's factions, there's envy, right? You're doing fine, you're having a great day until you get on Facebook and all your friends are still on vacation, you know, or, or they just moved houses again, right? Um, folks are getting drunk and out of control, carousing, things like these. This is when you're living for yourself. These are the natural symptoms and outcomes of that. He says, by contrast, though, right, if you want to live in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is, say them with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these, Paul says. Now, what you may not know is these are to be normative in your life. These aren't for super Christians. These aren't for only for Sunday school teachers or pastors or, or missionaries or prophets. This is what life looks like when the Spirit is controlled. What, what this looks like is when Jesus is first, these are the sorts of things that come out of our life. Because you're not angry because Jesus is, is in control. You're not quarreling with other people because Jesus is the one that calls the shots. You, you're not angry with other folks because they're thwarting your will because you're about God's will anyway. See how this works? So that when God comes to the fore, these are the natural outcomes of your life. This is what life in the Spirit looks like. And then Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, and we want these things in our life, then we also have to be guided by the Spirit. The Spirit has to be in charge. We say, okay, Holy Spirit, where do you want us to go today? Let us not become conceited. That's about self. Competing against one another. That's about self. Envying one another. That's about self. So if the Spirit is at the top, then we're going to be guided by the Spirit. So let us be guided by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Now, you may not know what that looks like, um, but I want to share with you uh, what that looks like. I want to invite Misty and Teresa to come up. Uh, they have a wonderful story. They, they are members of our church, um, and I want to ask them to share uh, what the Holy Spirit has been doing in their life uh, over the last three years. Um, I have, if you all will be on this side, I'll be right here. Um, they're going to share the microphone. And um, many of you all 
know them. And so let, let's bring you all right up here so everybody can see you. And will you all welcome Misty and Teresa to the stage? All right. So um, if you all will share a little bit about uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in your life and, and how we got to this point today. Okay, for me, it started <laughs> with a Facebook post. Um, Teresa had posted that her doctor had put her on the donor list for kidney. And I was getting ready for the day and happened to see that post. And this little voice just said, you can be a live donor. I have the donor card, you know, for after, afterwards. <laughs> but it said, you can be a live donor. And I just kind of let that sink in for a second and I went about my day. And then the very next Sunday, when I came to church, we were still in the other building over there. I walked into the building, and Teresa was the first person that I laid eyes on. And this feeling just came over my body. just kind of a flush. It was just kind of a knowing. I didn't even know how to ex explain it or describe it. But I hadn't said a word to anyone. I walked over to her, gave her a hug, and I said, I think I'm supposed to give you a kidney. And I just knew. I mean, I, I just knew. She literally thrust paperwork at me. <laughs> and I'll let me tell you her, her part of the story. <laughs> and, and the awesome thing was I, was, I was talking to Teresa about this earlier this week. And she said, you know, uh, Misty and I didn't really know each other. I mean, we knew we went to church together. We, we weren't friends. We didn't know each other. Facebook friends. Yeah, Facebook <laughs> friends. And, um, you know, uh, so she said, when Misty came up and hugged me in the hallway, I was kind of like, what? Like, this is weird. Like, I don't know this lady. She's hugging me. And uh, then she, she gave me, said she was going to give me a kidney. And, um, and your husband didn't even know at that point. And his eyes got like this big, like, huh? Like, what? And so, uh, yeah, incredible. It, it was a, an incredible moment. Um, when my doctor told me that we were going to start the process, I just posted because it's a family disease that I was going for an orientation. Well, the Sunday she told me she was going to give me a kidney. She went with me on that Monday. She and Jeff, and Jeff, my husband, had always said he would be my donor, and I kind of thought that when she said that. I'm like, okay, you, you go with me, but Jeff's going to give me a kidney. He was tested. Misty was tested, and our own James Rose was tested. Sorry, James. I know you didn't want everybody to know that, but um, and she was the only one that was close. Jeff and, jo and James weren't even close. Yeah. I, I was, I had, uh, uh, I was a tough match. And then in now, when you say tough match, what, what was the percentage chance? Less than 5% of getting a kidney. Even from the cadaver. E yes. And right. you know, as you know, you were there with me um, in July, four years ago, three years ago this time, I got a call at work that there was a cadaver for me. I was number two on the list. And I thought, for me? How, how is that possible? So, as you know, we went to the hospital, and nine hours later, I was in the match. But that whole day, the spirit kept telling me, you have a kidney. And they had told me that I would accept a living donor's kidney better than I would a cadaver. So that was a day of mixed highs and lows because yeah. part of me wanted to get it over with so I could be back to work for Christmas, and the other part was like, nope, I want her kidney. And... That's whose kidney I was supposed to have. So in, in the process, because um, I, I want folks to have a sense of how the Holy Spirit works, um, on one side, w without you talking, without y'all being friends, uh, Misty has a sense that she's supposed to give you a kidney. You have a sense in your spirit 
and, and confirm that that that's, that's going to work out, that that's going to be a match. Uh, you experienced a sense of peace about that? Yeah. I, Not anxious? I never, I mean, I just, I wanted to keep it on the lowdown initially sure. because I was like, well, if this doesn't work out, this, you know, I don't want anybody to know that I, but the day that we went and they told us that the chances of anybody else matching, I knew then that that was a second or third confirmation that that was really what was supposed to happen. And from that moment on, I really just had complete peace about it being the right thing to do. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, the enemy has the enemy has his way. And like, there were struggles with family disagreeing with me, and you know, some other things like that. But I just always knew from that moment on. Yeah. And and the the pain the the surgery was not pain free for either of you. Um, you know, and, and, and one of the reasons that we're just now doing this now is I wanted enough space uh, between um, the transplant uh, and the story and the congregation uh, because I also want us to, to see that there had been some bumps post-surgery, not so much around your health, but some with your health um, and, and some with, you know, just, you, you, you had to take drugs. Uh, drugs. Yeah, yeah, you're on, tell us about that a little bit. Um. I take a lot of uh, meds, um, anti-rejection. I'm on two different types of anti-rejection. I take a, unfortunately, I take prednisone, which I'm not crazy about. Uh, two blood pressure medicines, vitamins. Um, what else do I take? It, it's just a lot, but yeah. I'm healthy. Yeah, and so I see you at the Y like twice a week. Oh, not. I'm riding a bike now. I okay. dropped my membership there. Okay. <laughs> and I'm walking, okay. but yeah. Uh, yeah, I've gained weight, but you know, my doctor said I was too thin to begin with. I take that as a compliment, but uh, sure. I have to, you know. My doctor's never said that to me. <laughs> so that was my surgeon. He was oh, just good. being kind good. in the oh, store. Right. But, oh, right. okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm healthy, and I have to get over the fact that, yeah, I'm 15 pounds heavier, but, hey, we'll I, I am healthy. I work hard, right. and I tell people at work I work circles around those younger people. So yeah. Great. Um, is our, we're we're going to close this up, but does anybody have a question about their role with the Holy Spirit, because we want this to make sense. The Holy Spirit can be, and I think the church is better when it's normative in our life. And so uh, I hope you'll visit with them after service if you have detailed questions. Uh, but if you have something that you want to ask right now, that's fine too, because we want you to understand that the Holy Spirit is for you, to guide you. It doesn't take everything hard out of your life, not by a long shot, um, but it, it's keeping you alive. It is. And it kept me off dialysis. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. And I just want to say, this woman right here is my hero. Yeah, awesome. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Did you have a question? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question because the Holy Spirit will often ask us to do things that don't fit perfectly in what your family will want because they're worried about you. They're concerned about you, um, and which is normative. Right. Okay, that's a great question. It was such a strong feeling that I just kept arguing with them. You just need to support me in this. I know this is what I'm supposed to do, and I just need your support in this. I mean, several people were like, well, what if someone said, what if, it, the big thing was, what if Nick needs a kidney down the road? You know, and I just kept thinking, if I'm supposed to do this now, then the Spirit will take care of him later. It's all I could figure. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the other thing um, is we did some good work together as a family uh, because every donor needs family support. 
Um, you know, I, I said to Misty beforehand, I was like, look, if your family can't get behind this, don't do this, right? Because you, you, you're going to have to live with your family too. And, and they, they were awesome. I mean, yeah. hesitant, of course, but they're like, you know what? Okay. If, if, if she's sold out on this and she really understands that's what the Lord, and we've got confirmation in these different ways, then okay. Uh, yeah. They weren't thrilled about it, but they weren't against it by the day. Ronnie got the confirmation the same time that the third time when we found out what the chances are. That was when he knew that it was supposed to happen because he went to that meeting as well. Yeah. Family meeting thing. Yeah. That's, awesome. That's when they told me that I only had a 50% match with Misty, zero with Jeff, zero with James that they had to try something that was not FDA approved, and that was called an IVIG infusion. That's basically rabbit serum. Um, we are part, our, this little team of Missy and Teresa are part of a uh, uh, study now that Johns Hopkins is doing to get FDA approved, so. Awesome. Yeah, and it, I was number 17 that it worked on in the state of Oklahoma, so. Awesome, will you all show your appreciation yeah. to them? Awesome, thank you all. And that is one way that the Holy Spirit is at work in our church. There's lots and lots of other ways, of course, uh, too many to mention, and we celebrate that. Uh, and the Lord is working in your life. And so uh, if you have a story that you'd like to share with me, I would love to, to receive that. Um, sometimes it makes sense to share those publicly uh, like this, but sometimes it doesn't. It, but we're still blessed by sharing our testimony, and our testimony is simply what God is doing in our life. And so I thank you all for being brave and for sharing with us. Um, and uh, when the Holy Spirit gets involved, life happens. Life that really is life. Transforming life. Healing life. So Jesus says this. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Right? And, it, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. Right? So a good tree doesn't bear what? Bad fruit. And bad trees don't bear what? Good fruit. And so, friends, this, this is not hard to see when the Holy Spirit is at work. We're like, oh, there's good fruit. There's good fruit. We want to be a part of that. We want to invest in that. We want that to be catalytic for the world. We want to be people of good fruit. So your action step is simply this, friends. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill in your own blank. Ask the Holy Spirit to put some super on your natural so that God's will can come to the earth as has been intended from the creation of our planet. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that your power will not only guide us, but sustain us and empower us to new life. We pray that you would open us up to what you would have us do um, this week at Bible school, um, in the future, here at the church, but also in the ministries that you provide for us in our homes, in our schools, at our work, in our government, Lord, we ask that in all of it, you would work those things together, that you would hold all the strings in your hand, and that all those things would work together for good, because we know that's what you promise us for those that love you, and you know that we do. We love you, Lord, and we ask now by your power and your presence to bring to pass the prayer that you've taught us to pray by saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.